Welcome to Important Not Important. My name is Brian Colbert Kennedy. No, it's not my name is, but your name's Quinnemit. That's right. And this is episode 27. Today's question, what happens, Brian, when the Atlantic Ocean invades the Arctic Ocean? Uh, not not anything good. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I'm not qualified to answer that, <laughs> which would also have been the correct answer. Yes, two correct answers. Um, on the other hand, our guest is Julia Robertson. She's the Vice President of Relations for the Ocean Conservancy in sunny Washington, D.C. From her bio, she takes complex issues, for instance, like one ocean invading another, and Uh makes them real and relevant to human beings and helps us uh, act on them. Not surprisingly, she's funny, uh, but also way, way smarter than us. (laughs) That's that's not saying much. No, it's a pretty fucking low bar, isn't it? Um, So speaking of things... Brian, that are way smarter than us. Yeah. I guess I should. Do you watch Westworld? Mm. Oh, yeah. I watched the whole first season. Got it. So <laughs> I used the present tense and you are referring oh, to the am past. I, am I got currently it. watching Westworld? That got answer it. is unfortunately no. Okay. Well, you got the point towards the end of the first season. And this is kind of how I felt. With the ocean thing, you know, everyone's, you're out in the ocean, you're like part of the food chain. It's like the ocean doesn't care about you because the right. ocean's powerful. And like Moana has that shit in there. And, it, and it's all true. Like ocean doesn't give a fuck about us or whichever fish. It's just Ocean like, was here before us. It's Yeah, it's going to be here long after, right? But it does feel like, you know, Westworld, this whole thing sometimes feels like we're sure getting what's coming to us, you know? Yeah. Whether if it's you, if you making ask for killer something. robots that you're like, oh, I can go do anything in this world and and kill people and and uh, you know and and beat up and beat up you know women or or minorities, it's gonna be fine. That's not gonna come back to haunt me. And I can put a bunch of trash in the ocean and shoot smog into the sky. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. What's wild is how how long we've been able to do it, uh, uh, and 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 now just now I feel like we're like sort of getting the idea that. Shit's fucked. Are you talking about with killer sex robots or with the planet? Oh, are we not talking about killer sex robots anymore? Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, though, about the planet. It's true, and yet the Industrial Revolution was, I don't know, 110 years ago or a little (sighs) more-ish, you know? So not very long, which, to counter what you said, is more of a, like, wow, we really fucked up really fast. Yeah. Right? I guess that's it. It was. It's so fast. I mean, it doesn't seem fast to you because you weren't alive that whole time. But if you think yeah. back, like over the scope of things, not great. Especially guess, was it that was it Doctor Marvel? Oh, best name ever, Doctor Marvel, who was name. like, actually, it's supposed to be cooling right now, and it's like, boy, right, right. not great, not great. Anyways, I'm not done with season two of Westworld. I'm way behind, bouncing between that and the Expanse. Also amazing. Never heard of it. Uh, so good. It's, it's it's space opera, fantastic on sci-fi. But uh, are moving, you moving caught up? Oh, sure. Go ahead. Just wondering how you're uh, doing on episodes of The Real Housewives of New York. I'm not going to answer that, Brian. <laughs> um, but I will tell you, there's a special show we talked about with Julia that's uh, so yes. fucking great. It really is. And, you know, people ask us sometimes about self-care. And let me tell you, this show, that show, not this, fucking not this show. This that show. <laughs> that show will, please just watch it at the end of the night. You will sleep soundly. That actually usually is when I watch it too. And it really is just such a wonderful way to go to bed. If it doesn't leave you like a bucket of tears to dump out in the sink and a smile on your face. Yep. I don't know, man. Maybe this isn't for you. Yeah. I'm excited for everybody to listen to, well, this whole episode, obviously. But um, I thought that was pretty important uh, when, when she was talking about that. Because it it's uh, underrated and, and uh, I think making sure that you're okay. Because you're not going to be able to do any good if you're not good. I, and I think people don't think about that enough. Right, and there's getting back to neutral, which is like, boy, I was in a bad right, place right. and get back to neutral. Anyways, I think people will, will get it. It's, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll help. Yeah, she was awesome. Julia was great. All right, man. Let's. Uh, and I'll catch up on Westworld. I'm sorry. And what were you? What were? Uh, what was the soundtrack you still haven't listened to? What's that called again? Yet another episode of this podcast has has come and gone, and I still have not listened to the Greatest Showman soundtrack. It's but, like it's like you don't have a million dreams or you haven't come alive yet. I am alive. I do have a million dreams. Mm, but you're not dreaming with your eyes wide open. God, I wish you would stop saying that. Okay, let's go talk to Julia. Let's go talk to Julia. 
Our guest today is Julia Robertson, and together we're going to ask, uh, what happens when the Atlantic Ocean invades the Arctic Ocean? Uh, <laughs> Julia, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. For sure. The feeling is mutual. Uh, <laughs> so uh, really quick, uh, Julia, just tell us um, who you are and what you do. So my name is Julia Robertson. I'm Vice President of Communications for Ocean Conservancy. We are a nonprofit dedicated to ocean conservation, as you might have guessed from the name of the organization. Oh, sure. We, I know, isn't that surprising? We work on the big challenges facing the ocean, and there's a ton of them, um, and we'll get into that in a second. But my job mm -hmm. is really to communicate about the incredible work that our scientists and program and policymakers do and try to communicate it in a way that inspires people to take action, to care about the ocean, um, and to not get overwhelmed because that is pretty easy to do these days. It definitely is. And I want to get to that today because, you know, I think people are feeling that in a number of ways and not just about the climate or just about existential-ish things. Uh, every day feels like there's fucking something new, but this is, uh, the really make or break stuff, the ticking clock as the, as they say, uh, Brian, you want to set us up? They're always saying that. Um, yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> let's get going. So like you, like you sort of just said here, we're all about, um, actions. We're big believers in, in action oriented questions. And, uh, clearly you guys, uh, are all about that, uh, too, in, in communication. So, um, uh, I think our interests uh, align mm -hmm. perfectly mm -hmm. and, uh, let's get to it. All right. Julia, we do start with one important question to really get to the heart of why you're here. Uh, but instead of saying, tell us your life story, we'd like to ask, Julia, why are you vital to the survival of the species? Wow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What do you mean? That's just a normal everyday question. Yep. Right. I was thinking about that on my bike ride in. I was like, why so, yeah. am I vital to yeah. this planet? But you know what? Uh, both uh, like, uh, yeah, think about it. Be bold and, and be honest. <laughs> wow. You are here for, you are here for uh, both on the podcast and, uh, <laughs> and uh, on this planet for some sort of reason. Uh, either you feel like you were born into it or you've made yourself of it or you've discovered that's what you're interested in. So why are you in this time of necessary action vital to the survival of the species? Oh, wow. This is an amazing question. And I'm probably going to have a ridiculous answer, but I'm definitely going to go home and think about this more. Okay. But I feel like one of the reasons that I'm here tailor-made for this moment in time is that I... I am at heart an optimist. Mm -hmm. My default is to see and believe that there are still amazing things that we can do to, you know, help each other and help the planet. And it sounds really cheesy, but my default is not dark. And I think that a, that, that kind of optimism is probably needed to mm -hmm. get us not just through, you know, these times right now, but hopefully mm -hmm. to solve some of the bigger problems that we're facing as a society. And also sure. to remember that we're all people with feelings and, you know, likes and dislikes along the way, which I've been trying to remember because I think I forgot that for a little while. So, easy, to, easy to do that uh, when, when this is the lazy explanation but the other side uh has never really given a shit about your thoughts and feelings so but it's important that we do do that because that's the only way we're gonna help move them over to to action so listen julia next thing we want to do is we usually try to do is establish some context for today's question because it's a it's a weird one but it's an important one <laughs> uh that means it's time for something we call context 101 with professor brian legend has it uh professor brian has been expelled from a number of high-profile institutions of higher learning. What? A variety sure, sure. of, honestly, pretty soft misdemeanors, mostly involving parking tickets, but we don't like to mm. live in the past here at Important, okay. Important. Um, they shouldn't charge that much for, for, for street cleaning. Okay. Uh, yeah, fair point. Whatever you say, pal. So, so Brian, tell us. Um, give us your book report. What have you learned about the ocean this week? Well, it's big. <laughs> Good start. Uh, oh my God. A, A, right, yeah, right here, yeah. right out of the gate. It's huge. It's huge. Um, uh -huh. And uh, it's, it's the only one in our, our solar system that we're uh, 100% sure about. Mm-hmm. 100%. Europa, Europa is cool. And uh, Saturn's moon, what's Saturn's moon called? Enceladus. 
Yeah, Enceladus. Mm-hmm. Um, God. They're like the new kids on the block. Maybe maybe there's something going on under the ice, but we don't know yet. Oh, I hope I hope it has like thousands of teeth, whatever it is. Yeah, no. All right. Anyways, uh, ours is ours is pretty awesome. Um, right? It's salty, so you know, don't drink it. Mm-hmm. Who's that? And Can I just say you get major points for saying the ocean singular? Because a lot of people talk about the ocean plural, and oh, right. we tend to think of it as just one ocean that happens, you know, yeah. um, to be separated by different landmass. So, yay, way to go with the singular. Good job, ocean Brian. You can stop singular. right there. <laughs> Thank you. I'm basically a scientist. No, I'm not. Okay. Um, Always right, with so, your scientists, man. <laughs> but serious scientists. All right. So, so they said that we've explored um, about 5% of the ocean, 5% of the, of the, of the whole thing. Uh, which is in, insane. <laughs> That's crazy. Yep. By we way, know more about the surface of the moon than we do about the deepest, darkest depths of the ocean and, and the ocean floor. This is a good moment, by the way. And again, I, I've, I've mentioned here and I mentioned to you, I, I've got some small children, some humans that I somehow created. Blue Planet 1 and 2 and obviously the Planet Earth <gasps> series are amazing. Number 2 is nuts. It came out last year. And you know what? They're just like, you know what? It's like they were bragging this time. It's like, oh, hey, yeah, it's just a new blue planet. It's like the last one, you know, with just like better cameras. Oh, and here's a fish that uses fucking tools. What's up now? Oh, my God. Yes. I forget that fish's name, but that fish is now my hero. I was so just we- stomping around my living room going, What? I am so excited for you to say that because we, Ocean Conservancy, did a um, sort of series finale with BBC America here in Washington, D.C. And so we showed episode seven on the big screen at the museum, and it was amazing. It's amazing to see in your living room just the incredible technological advances that enables the producers and the, you know, the videographers to capture this crazy animal shit that they do. Um, (laughs) It's incredible. And then to be able to see it on the big screen and to like hear David Attenborough's voice, you know, talking about why he's still hopeful. Yeah. It was the highlight of my year. It was incredible. Oh yeah. It's, it was, I was, I watched it sober, but just as a reminder, like (laughs) marijuana is legal in a lot of places. And if you haven't seen that shit until like you've been high, wow. Do you yeah. know that it was the number one show in the UK last year? So imagine Blue Planet 2 beating like the Super Bowl or the Game of right, Thrones right. in the United States. Well, I hope so. You know, they're a bunch of fucking islands and they've got some shit coming towards them. So Game <laughs> of Thrones um, is pretty good, though. All right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, yes. Uh, by the way, I think it's called a tusk fish. We can get back to it later. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's it's point is it's incredible out there. Um, mm-hmm. But we have a slight issue where the ocean uh, absorbs most of the CO2 that we're pumping out. And it seems like, you know, well, like the ocean's had enough of our shit, basically. Mm-hmm. It's getting way warmer. The underwater river things that drive the, you know, like our shipping commerce and weather, they're, they're changing. Jet, jet uh, streams? Is that the technical? Uh, no, jet streams are in the air. It's the underwater ones. The underwater jet stream. It's, like it's, the it's, Gulf Stream and the like Gulf, the current. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The ones where a couple months ago, they're like, they're reversing. I'm like, that can't be, that's not great. (laughs) And they're slowing down. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, you know, the ocean is, is, like we just said, it's one big ocean. It's all connected despite the name, the five names, but they're, they're not all the same, like composition and temperature wise, the, the Arctic and the Antarctic, clearly they're colder, um, or at least they have been for uh, a few millennia. Fucking Um, cold cold freezing balls cold very cold right or they used to be until uh let's see oh until humans right. um <laughs> so so and also funny story the arctic that's the um the one up top for those of you who like me are constantly wondering why they named it arctic and antarctic they're basically the same thing but anyway th- that one's getting invaded by the atlantic ocean right so, that's what the news says <laughs> that's according to the news <laughs> um which you know like we said it seems like every week you hear uh, 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 about uh, something that's contributing to the warming of the Arctic and 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 all the ice. And well, if you have heard that, uh, uh, you're right. right. And this one's bad. Yep. Um, thanks, Brian. That was great. Uh, <laughs> so with that, for some just enlightening context, let's crack down. Julia, we've talked about this. We're going to address it sort of comprehensively, but exactly what happens with the Atlantic Ocean invading the Arctic Ocean? What the hell is going on again? I, I know you're not a, a marine biologist, uh, but and you're more on the policy side. But maybe you can help us understand it a bit. 
Sure. Well, I think there's a few things that are happening, right? So the Arctic is indeed warming. You know, it is one of the fastest warming places on the planet. Um, And fun fact, the Gulf of Maine Mm -hmm. um, is also one of the fastest warming bodies of water on the planet. And so, you know, there's all sorts of things that are happening when, you know, Usually cold water is meeting uh, much warmer water. So it changes the makeup of the water column. It changes the makeup of, you know, the ice that is, the sea ice that is traditionally in the Arctic and in the, you know, North Atlantic. And it changes, you know, the, the types of fish and fisheries that are available in, in, in these areas. And so, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things happening to the ocean. And, you know, a lot of that is being driven by climate change. That is one of the single biggest issues facing the ocean right now. And, you know, just to touch on one of the things I mentioned, fisheries, for example, lobster. Do you guys like lobster? What, what are you talking about? This is America, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How can you not like lobster? Um, lobster roll, my personal favorite. Oh, um, so good. So good. So good with the butter and the lemon. Mm, um, amazing. So basically, lobster are actually moving, uh, moving north. 90% of the catch in Maine is comprised of lobster. So mm-hmm. that's like a billion dollar industry. Um, those lobster are moving north, like they are headed to Canada. And if you look at the diversity of the fisheries that were traditionally caught in Maine, like even, you know, 20, 30, 50 years ago, it wasn't just lobster. There were a whole host of other fisheries that were economically viable, that were part of these waters. And that is changing now. The lobster that were traditionally found in New England and Rhode Island and Massachusetts are now in Maine. Those lobster are likely going to be moving further north to Canada as the water warms. And so what does that mean for those communities that have depended on it? Um, What does it mean for the North Atlantic, you know, and the article that I read about the paper that you're referencing about the Arctic and the Atlantic meeting, you know, it looks like that could be an initial boon for the, the, the cod fishery. But, you know, what does that look like in the, in the future? So there's just all sorts of things that are changing at a really rapid pace that we just mm-hmm. don't know how it's going to affect us and the animals in the ocean. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, the fishery stuff is just incredible. I don't think people realize that massive statewide or region-wide economies that are that have been built on this relative period of stasis there. Uh, you know, the article, one of the things it was saying to get to the technicality of it is, uh, this is from Axios, with less sea ice forming in and being transported around these two areas where they're meeting, there's less freshwater transport as well. It says this trend is key because it allows the well-mixed Atlantic waters to make inroads into the frontier v- region of the Arctic in turn, discouraging the formation of more sea ice and feeding an ongoing cycle. Good times. Yeah, the lack of sea ice is something that, you know, is it's a trend that's been happening. The amounts um, seem to get, you know, less and less each year. Every time we kind of mark the end of a season where scientists have been keeping track of it. And, you know, it has a lot of implications for animals that depend on sea ice, that haul out on it. It also has, you know, this is something that we don't often think about, but something that Ocean Conservancy is working on a mm-hmm. lot is shipping and what this means for, you know, what does shipping look like in an ice-free Arctic sure. um, in the summer months? Like there sure. are a lot of, you know, there's a, a cruise ship company. That, I think it's called the Crystal Serenity. Is that the, the ship that's actually, you know, making know. the it's first... amazing name, <laughs> Yeah. The summer voyage, um, you right. know, through the Arctic now that there's less sea ice. Sure. Um, wow. And so what does that mean if there are bigger vessels moving through these, you know, very sensitive regions? You know, these are places where it's polar bears, it's whales, you know, it's some of the most incredible migratory um, routes for some of these incredible animals that you see on Blue Planet 2. And, you know, imagine some of these big, um, you know, these big vessels moving through these regions uh, when there's not a lot of um, rules and regulations to 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 keep track of. I love so. that too because it just seems like this that's the type of thing that like the average person wouldn't think about. You know, is mm. how how do how does that change everything? It would right. it really does. 
Um, I also just want to point out, like, uh, you know, it's pretty meta, but as much as we try to make these like podcast episodes uh, evergreen and not so timely, this news item isn't, you know, oh, oh hey, there's a hurricane coming right now. Great. It's, right. it's going to be it's devastating, the, but it's over and then we deal with oh, it. Yeah, and they're coming. They are coming. Um, right. But yeah, so now what we're, what we're talking about is, that, you know, the Atlantic Ocean has started to, you know, invade the Arctic. And it's not, it's not going to stop, really, as far as my uh, medium-sized brain can comprehend. <laughs> so uh, it, it's something that we're, we are going to be living with and feeling the effects of for the foreseeable future until, well, until Waterworld, basically. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Underrated movie. Yeah, and that's uh, the thing. So it's like good. some of these... Uh, some of these news items again and we cover them weekly aren't just like this bad thing it's happened it's like this has begun or we're ju- we've just realized that these things are begun and now it's a part of our lives and our society and so it's less breaking news and more about updates on those things but it, this was just again uh, where the arctic arctic is being uh, assaulted on a number of fronts <clears throat> this is just uh one that at least at least i or uh, you know and and probably then the masses after that have discovered and and again it it seems to be pretty vital and here's the thing we we talked about this a little bit offline i think but and i I hesitate to ever paint these problems uh we're facing is greater than our capacity to deal with them as much as we like to call them sort of existential ish but this one and and seemingly ones like it do feel a little bit like a runaway train right The, the scope of the ocean can feel massive yeah and isn't this really where it's like you know it's it's not great now, but the effects are actually running forty years behind. Comes mm, into play, like mm. we're we're just like you think it's bad now, right? Hold but look, on. I, I do always want to be honest. Like it's not chippy, optimistic over here all day. I mean, Brian is a lot of the time, and it's fucking annoying. But People sometimes uh, even I have to vent, and like our whole tone is built on like, "Hey, this sucks. Let's act on it." Or this thing is awesome. Here's how you can support it. Right. 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 It does get heavy sometimes, but like you said, so you're an optimist and you deal with this shit every day. So that's got to be some, a pretty impressive superpower. So I want to capitalize <laughs> on that today. And like you said, you're not a marine biologist. You're on the policy and communications front. So let's try to spend this episode now dialing into how we and our listeners can address and affect this issue specifically. Right? That's sure. Have, that's what you do with Ocean Conservancy. Yes, that's what you're all about. We do, exactly. And I mean, before we dive into, you know, what people can do and how we at Ocean Conservancy have have been inspired and continue to try to work with people to, to take action on some of these big ass issues, there's a lot of things that I see that actually do give me hope. It's not necessarily these types of news articles, admittedly. But when I first got into, uh, when when climate change was really starting to become more and more a conversation that was happening in the marine conservation space, I, I was working on seafood at the time. I was working on sustainable seafood. And I had this moment and I was like, holy shit, we should all stop working on seafood because there's not going to be seafood left. We just like all need to shift right. to climate. Everybody like mass exodus to climate people. Like we got to, we got to do this. And I remember having these conversations with my boss and he was like, there are things that we need to do today to make sure that we have the, like we are, we are fighting for the things that we care about, not just the things that we're scared of you know, which is climate. Sure, sure. And so I feel like there really does need to be that balance. And so, so that's kind of one thing that I think of when I see these stories. And I, and I think the other thing is that when I was working on, I, I started working on ocean acidification about six years ago. And that's a great topic that we can dive into a little bit because, sure. you know, some of the impacts that we're dealing with, with ocean acidification, which is the ocean literally becoming more acidic as carbon emissions are absorbed by the the ocean. Some of the impacts that are being dealt with in the Pacific Northwest and in other places, the water that is impacting the businesses, like impacting the ability for shellfish to grow is 50 years old, which is also kind of cool that there's like 50 year old water um, and there's much older water. But that's a great example of what Brian was just saying about how, you know, some of these impacts we're you know, we're, we're going to be catching up to them. But I think the thing that gives me hope in that regard is that when I was starting to work on climate change, 
a few years ago, everybody was only talking about mitigation. It was mitigation, mitigation, mitigation. If you were talking about adaptation, if you were talking about the realities of the fact that changes are already taking place, Mm -hmm. it was like you were waving a white flag. And I just don't buy into that. We've already fundamentally altered the planet. The planet has fundamentally altered many times before, like the Mm -hmm. planet itself is going to be fine. It's what we are doing, you know, for our future that we're going to be. It's whether we're still allowed to hang out anymore. Exactly. It's whether we get the cool pass to stick around. And so I do think there's more and more people who have a clear-eyed view around, yes, things have changed. What can we do now to address some of those changes and prevent, you know, some of the worst impacts of, of future ones? So I, I take hope that there is this conversation happening around mitigation of, you know, emissions and, you know, some of the worst impacts of climate change and the fact that, like, yeah, we've changed things. Things have already changed. Sure. How are we going to deal with that? Hey guys, it's Quinn. If you're listening to this, you obviously like podcasts, and you probably like music too. On Spotify, you can listen to all of that in one place for free. You don't even need a premium account. On Spotify, you can follow your favorite podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can download episodes to listen to offline, wherever you might be, and you can easily share what you're listening to with your friends via Spotify's integrations with social platforms like Instagram. Spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one you're listening to right now. You can just search for Important Not Important on the Spotify app or browse podcasts in the Your Library tab. Very convenient. And of course, you can follow us so you never miss an episode of Important Not Important. Uh, Spotify is the world's leading music streaming service, and now it can be your go-to for podcasts, too. So, you know, th- this is a question we usually throw into our lightning round, but just on this topic, it sounds like you might be, but uh, none of us are. I'm imagining you're not totally perfect. What do you do? <laughs> what? How dare you? I'm hanging what? up right well, now. We don't need to tell everybody Quinn. about the headphone issue. Okay. <laughs> but Julie, what? for all the listeners, it took us a solid 30 minutes to get to this place. <laughs> 33. Went for it. Uh, I, to do it. I love it. And it was all Brian's fault. Sorry, I had. Oh, to I mean, it. no. I mean, they know that. We don't need to tell them that. Um, uh, wh- what do you do when you get overwhelmed by this shit? Like, what do you actually do? There's all this talk of self care. Go for a run. Uh, take a nap. Drink. Wh- whatever. How do you deal specifically? Well, I watch Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Oh, oh, it's so good. good. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> I am obsessed with it. So if that I show doesn't make it, you feel optimistic about show. humanity, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. I totally watch Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. And I'm admittedly, I'm only on season one. But I'm really enjoying that show. I don't know if it's because I'm also from the South and it's filmed in Georgia, this you know second sure. round. But I yeah, yeah. love it. The uh, other thing I better. do, it gives me hope. Oh, my gosh. You know, like they're changing, you know, the lifestyles of a 57-year-old from Georgia. and mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's just so great. Um, the other thing I do is I take a social media break. I'm currently on one right Mark. now. And sometimes that feels a little bit like malpractice because of my the nature <laughs> of my job. Yeah, sometimes I just can't take it. And it seems like it exacerbates the differences and the you know, things that wear me down, which is why I have to go watch Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. So, mm-hmm. so, so important. Uh, again, this is a little, a little meta, and then we're going to get into specifics here. I, I do want to, but this hits with like two of my specific issues with humanity in general, and, and especially America, <laughs> which is like our, com- no, it's just like we have this complete fucking inability to process and attend to things that we either can't see or don't directly experience every day. Basically, like, like we just... Oh- we, things we can't see or things... Ago, you remember that? Oh, yeah. Right. The, the thing that we but couldn't you... see, but now can't everyone has it. said, like, it is an inv- it was an environmental nightmare. What if it was black? Right. Like, what if we could uh, uh, see that? If we could see the increased carbon in the skies and in our oceans, right? We can... Yeah. I mean, New Delhi would tell you they can see it perfectly fucking fine. But yeah. it, it almost wish there was some way to change it, right? Almost... Yeah. I mean, you talked a little bit about the ocean, ocean acidification. Like, is that what's happening with coral reefs? 
Yeah, there's a lot of things happening with coral reefs and ocean acidification is one of them. So, you know, like I mentioned, ocean acidification is caused by carbon emissions being absorbed by the ocean, turning it more acidic. It's a very straightforward chemical process. You know, it's 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 not it's a separate process from climate change. You know, climate change is obviously greenhouse gas emissions, including carbon. Ocean acidification is directly related to, you know, carbon emissions specifically. And the fact that the ocean is becoming more acidic means that shell building animals, uh, including coral, have difficulty building their shells. Or in some cases, like oysters in the Pacific Northwest, those shells are starting to dissolve. Mm, Great. And so, (laughs) you know, you touched on this idea of why why we're not able as a you know society i guess to respond to to climate change and you know i think that's such an interesting point because there's a lot of anger around that and there's sometimes a lot of unintentional judgment of like we're all just fucking idiots for not thinking that climate change is the most important thing that we should all be working on every single day. But I think there's such interesting research that I think there's been done around how it is a tailor-made problem for us to like not be able to respond to it well, right? Like it is, you know, our our brains and our makeup mean that we are like designed to dismiss it. And I work on this stuff every day. And sometimes I'm like, oh my God, another climate change story. Like, what do you want me to do? I'm already biking. I'm already biking. I'm already reusing my reusable bottle. You know, like what else do you want me to do? And so I think there's- Yeah, there's like, I think there's a little bit of an acknowledgement that needs to happen around like, yeah, we don't get it. We don't immediately respond to things that are not visible right in front of us. So, so how do we do that instead of, you know, passing judgment around, you know, oh, we're just, you know, sticking our head in the sand and waiting for poor countries to, to really be fucked. Right. But you know, there's, so there's this little story and and I'm going to mangle this and I'm sure it's not completely correct. But out at the Cedars-Sinai Hospital System in in Los Angeles, which is amazing and gave me all of my children, they had this issue (laughs) where they were having, and every hospital has these issues with with all the hospital-borne illnesses that, that run around. And people, notably the doctors and surgeons, just weren't washing their hands. And this is a few years ago. So the Cedars nurses, and again, I'm sure this is not totally correct, basically ran under a microscope images of some surgeon's hands and made that the background on the desktop computers all around the hospital. Wow. And they were so fucking horrified by what they saw there that like the number of uh, basically hand washing skyrocketed and the number of disease plummeted to almost nothing. And that's my point is like, you know, I wish we could put something in the air that just shows, I mean, we had smog for a long time and now we're like, oh, look, the smog's gone, but actually everything is just as bad, you know? So the people could just see what is, what is happening and what they're doing. I think that is so interesting. And one of the things that I've thought a lot about are is the example of, you know, the ozone layer and how we kind of came together as, as you know, as industries, as, as governments, as, you mm-hmm. know, personal and individual outrage to, to fix that problem. And I've thought a lot about that in the context of, you know, climate more broadly. And, and ocean acidification is an interesting one um, because, you know, when I first started working on this issue, there was a lot of linkages to climate change. People were talking about ocean acidification and climate change in the same breath. It was like, ocean acidification is climate change's evil twin. As a, and as a communicator, I was like, what the hell? Why would we do that? Climate change is toxic right now. When we started working on it at Ocean Conservancy, it was, you know, after the climate change uh, bill failure in in the Senate, Waxman-Markey, it felt like it was incredibly the most divisive it had been as an issue. And when we looked at ocean acidification, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it's a straightforward sort of chemical process. There's visible results that you can see in a lab and in shellfish growers' businesses that, you know, carbon emissions are actually impacting shells. And it's there's a personal story around, you know, some of the, the businesses, for example, in Washington State and in Maine, you know, these are 
five and six generation businesses that employ, you know, a significant number of people. In some cases, you know, these shellfish uh, farms and operations are the largest businesses in these rural counties and regions. And so the way Ocean Conservancy approached this issue is rather than talking about the science of ocean acidification, the fact that the pH of the ocean is changing, we talked about the impacts that are actually occurring right now and the fact that it is impacting people and businesses today. So it's not like the perfect example of visible carbon emissions, which I agree would be incredibly helpful. But I feel like there's ways to take some of these issues to a more personal level and tell a story that that meet, that makes it more real, that makes it you know something that is tangible. And when we talked about this issue on the Hill in Congress, you know, we weren't asking decision makers to be like, and now you need to sign on to that really toxic bill on climate change, which is dead in the water. You know, like we weren't going from zero to, to the biggest ask we could make. We took a stepwise approach. You know, we were like, okay, so this is a big ass problem. Ocean acidification is a fucking huge problem for shellfish growers in these places. Dungeness crab is a huge industry on the West Coast. Maine lobster, a billion dollar industry for that state. We do not know how it's going to impact them. So like, let's start funding some research to figure out how that's going to work. And you're getting them in the door that way. And I guess it's, you know, it's easy for people to be like, oh, that little fish went away. What's that going to do? Until you realize it's like the fucking butterfly effect and like 10 things happen. But, you know, it's almost a good thing. I'm going to catch heat for this. It's almost a good thing it's lobsters because so many fucking rich people care in the Northeast about their lobsters. And when that industry goes away, oh my God. I mean, there's there's at least right. three states that are that are just decimated. Hey, whatever. Whatever it takes to get to through to everyone, I guess. Right. All right, so let, let's uh, get to some like specific actions we can take. All right, I, I have a feeling that our listeners feel you know the same way we do uh, sometimes. I hope anyway, that's what we're trying to do here. And uh, so you know we want we, we get to stand in for them and, and ask fancy people uh, questions and get advice. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but you know seriously, sometimes it's just like, how, how the hell, how the hell are we going to fix the ocean? So Julia, what, what are you doing and what, and what can we, and very importantly, what can we all be doing to, to support you? That is such an awesome question. So there's a few things. And I'm not going to go through like all the things that we can do to, you know, reduce our carbon footprint. I feel like... No, no, let's take it bird by bird today. Let's, you know, make this again, not bite size, but with something specifically folks, a few things specifically folks can be doing. Well, I think there's a few things specific to the ocean. One of the biggest issues that we haven't actually touched on yet is the issue mm-hmm. of trash in the ocean. Sure. Um, I'm sure, you know, your listeners' Facebook feeds have been filled with images of, you know, seabirds that have had, you know, their the contents of their stomach, di- you know, showing oh, yeah. plastic. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the like the turtle and, everything. Yep. and the straw up his nostril. Like I will never uh, be able to get that out of my memory. So uh, plastic in the ocean is a huge problem. Trash in the ocean, huge problem. We've been working on this issue for 30 plus years now. Over 8 million metric tons of trash go into the ocean Every year, that's like a New York City sized, you know, dump truck emptying, you know, its contents into the ocean every single minute, every single hour, every single day. When you think about some of the bigger issues facing the ocean, like climate change, like, you know, the Arctic warming, things like trash that we know how to solve. We can solve this. We created this problem. Mm-hmm. We can solve it. If we can protect and, and you know, buffer some of the you know, the ocean environments against some of these very real threats, they're better able to respond to some of these other big challenges like climate change. And so let's get down to it. So what can individuals do around keeping trash out of the ocean? There's a few things. First of all, skip the straw. We use an insane amount of straws. (laughs) It's a a preposterous, it's like a made up number. It's like 500 million straws a day or some shit. Yes. And that's actually, I think that number was uh, figured out by a nine-year-old, which this nine-year-old has an amazing you know, uh, at this point, future. 
Whatever. ahead of him. <laughs> so yeah. I think there's some questions about the actual numbers, but yes, we use a ridiculous amount of straws as Americans every single day. Some people have very legitimate needs for those straws, and there's so many of us that do not need them and that could easily use an alternative or just not use a straw at all. And so I don't know if you guys saw the news this week, but Starbucks announced that they are phasing yeah. Um, by 2020, I think. By 2020, phasing straws out of all their stores worldwide by 2020. Um, and that has the equivalent of something like 13,000 metric tons um, of straws uh, that, you know, wow. that, that could potentially make their way to the ocean, but that are not going to now. So that's a huge, a huge leap forward by Starbucks. And we want other companies and businesses to follow suit. So skip the straw, bottom line. We don't need them. And then the second thing that I think people can do that we have been organizing for 30 years is something called the International Coastal Cleanup. Every September 15th, we have people around the U.S. and around the world come out to a beach or a coast or a waterway or a river system and pick up trash for a few hours. And it doesn't sound like you know, a lot, you know, you can certainly say, well, what am I doing? But you're actually doing something for not just your community, but you're doing something for the ocean. And what we have found with cleanups and with trash in the ocean more broadly is it is a gateway issue to get people to care about some of these bigger problems like sustainable fisheries, climate change, and how it's impacting the ocean. We start with something like trash because it is something that literally all of us produce. We can see it, you know, when we were talking about tangible, you know, impacts to the ocean. Just about every beach in the world, you're going to be able to see trash on the beach or in the water. (laughs) Come to Santa Monica. Jesus. Uh, Right. I think we actually have a cleanup that we're organizing there next Saturday. So you should come out out for the cleanup. Oh, really? yeah, I'll send you the link. So, so it's coming out and cleaning up. Um, you know, it's it's involving you in the neighborhood. It's involved. You know, it's it's the local to global. You know, concept that I think we've mm-hmm. you know all talked about. And then there's a few other things. I mean, the, one of the biggest things is that Ocean Conservancy. We're based in Washington D.C. You know, we spend a lot of time on the Hill talking to members of Congress about mm-hmm. ocean issues and representing our members on things that they care about. And so making sure that your representative knows that you care about the ocean. Sign up for Ocean Conservancy's uh, email list. We will tell you and alert you when you need to um, reach out to your member of Congress and say, actually, this is a terrible budget for ocean protection and research. We need to see that number higher. Or this is a bill that is really going to spell trouble for America's fish and fishermen. We really need you to talk to your member of Congress and tell them that this is important to you. And so, um, you know, just making sure that you're you're engaging and making your voice heard on, you know, obviously a whole host of issues these days, but the ocean is critical and so could really use your voice. I love it. Hell yeah. All right. So uh, we are definitely getting a little close to time here. We know you got to roll. Um, Julia, thank you so very much for your time today. Thank you. And all the time you, you put so into your welcome. headphones. We're counting that too. <laughs> Seriously, so it's like you. an hour and a half podcast. Yeah, it's basically all day. <laughs> you know, uh, it, really, it, it really took a village. It took the three of us to really right. figure that out. Maybe, I appreciate all the screenshot instructions. It. Brian, you didn't <laughs> do anything. Quinn's very good. Well, I, it's the royal we. Sure. It's okay. the royal we, sure. Uh, hey, Julia, do you, uh, anybody else that we, we should talk to? People out there changing the world, doing existential things, either amazing new cool things that are going to turn us into robots or, or, you know, immune from disease with CRISPR or people like you trying to defend the planet. Oh my gosh. I can think of a list of five people off the top of my head that I think would Go. be awesome for you to talk to. Wait, do you want me to list them or do you want me to send you, just you said, an email? I can name a list of five people off the top of my head. So now that you said it, you can't take it back. Oh my God. Of course. Okay. Well, <laughs> one is Jeff Waters. Okay. He is the director of our government relations okay. team and program. He is incredible. He has done research in Hawaii. He staffed Senator Cantwell on her ocean issues when she 
he was um, the chairman of the subcommittee on ocean mm-hmm. um, in the Senate. Uh, he just has a really phenomenal uh, view of what is happening on the Hill and making that sort of real and relevant to all of us, you know, whether we live by the ocean or not. Mm-hmm. So I think Jeff would be fantastic for you to speak to. You know, another amazing person that I think you should talk to, mm. her name is Lisa Drocken. Okay. She is with a research firm called Edge based okay. in Arlington, Virginia. And she has, I have worked with her for years and we have done a ton of research on what people respond to, what makes them, you know, care about some of these big, hairy issues, how it relates to, you know, all the other priorities that they have going on in their life. I've never not had an interesting conversation with this woman. She is hmm. just incredible. Give and me her last name again? Dropkin, D-R-O-P-K-I-N. Okay. Thanks. One more. What do we got? One more. One more. So another one that is my personal favorite um, that I think you guys would just really get along with and Mm. have an awesome chat with. His name is Mike Boots. Okay. So he was the acting chair for Obama... Obama's Council on Environmental Quality, you know, basically the thing that is like now shuttered. Yeah, I was going to say, how's he enjoyed watching his life's work get wiped away? (laughs) Yeah, Um, he's an optimist too, shocking. Um, He was my old boss and he's amazing. He, um, so he did, after he left the Obama White House, he did some work with the Aspen Institute and is now with Bill Gates. And not the foundation, but, you know, the private office and the work that Bill Gates is doing. Sure. And, you know, on on, on climate and clean energy yeah, yeah, uh, in particular. So he's he's just an incredible person and cool. a great, great conversation. So cool. those are my three off the top of my head. Lovely. That's super helpful. Um, Thank you. Yeah, we thanks. will hit for that. Hit those yeah, you're up. so welcome. Um, all right. I don't know if you heard, but we did mention... A lightning round earlier, and the time it, for it ish. is now. Yeah, it's lightning. Oh, oh, god. Ish. Okay, yeah. Like well, sweep. you you like hit me with the hard question right out of the gate. So now I'm curious yeah. what else is coming with the lightning round. This, this next well, one's pretty good. They bounce around, mm. Julia. When and this is sort of my Oprah moment. When was the first time in your life <laughs> when you realized you had the power of change or the power to do something meaningful? What? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, not sorry. Oh, I think it was like, I think I was probably like eight years old, eight or 10 years old. Um, I was really upset because Walmart was coming into our town and they were going to put their, you know, superstore like basically in this apple orchard that I thought was really pretty. And my mom was like, why don't you write a letter? And so I wrote a letter. I mean, (laughs) <laughs> jumping ahead, Walmart went in anyway. <laughs> Shocker. But that, I, I very distinctly remember that feeling of like, oh, wait, I can express my uh, displeasure and point of view on something that I don't think, you know, should happen or would have, you know, an impact on our community. So thank you, mom, for telling me that I could do that. Yes. Moms, Moms are, are the awesome. Best. Moms, Moms are, are amazing. So Moms make this place run. They really do. Okay, next one. Who is someone in your life that's positively impacted your work in the past six months? Ooh, past six months. Mm-hmm. Getting specific. If you want to be like, I'm LeBron and I, I, I roll solo, then uh, you know that is what it is. <laughs> oh, God, not at all. I would say, without a doubt, it is uh, the woman that I work most closely with, our CEO, Janice Searles-Jones. Okay. She is... Oh, she's an amazing person that you should also speak to. She is a a litigator by training. She um, is the heart and soul of this organization. She has been fully supportive and engaged in, you know, the Blue Planet work that we've been doing, the work that we are continuing to do on climate, and is constantly thinking about ways that we can connect our bigger mission and what we're doing here in Washington, D.C. to mm-hmm. all of the communities that depend on the ocean. And so she's a real gut check for me and, you know, a source of, of optimism and hope on that front. So I love it. Definitely. Definitely Perfect. Janice. Thanks, Janice. Right. Julia, how do you consume the news? Um, well, when from I'm on where? Social, from where do you get your news? When I'm on a social media break, I notice that I'm much better about actually reading 
full stories. Hmm. Um, what does that mean? Oh, isn't I that? Love a full isn't story. that? I know. I read like the whole article rather than just the headline and some random person's tweet about it. (laughs) So yeah, so I, my go-to is the Washington Post. And then I lived in London for about a decade. And so I go first, probably the BBC and then the Washington Post. And then I also read this incredible gossip website called Laney Gossip. And if you are not reading Laney Gossip, you are missing out because it's not just celebrity gossip. It is all about what is happening in our culture and how we comment on things from, you know, women to celebrities to sports personalities. Hmm. And she's got amazing book recommendations. She's the shit. Interesting. All yeah, right. She's based in Canada. She's amazing. You guys should definitely reach out to her. Fucking Canada. Always with the good people. Always with the good people. <laughs> Brian, bring us home. I'm going to bring us home. If you could Amazon Prime one book to Donald Trump, what would it be? <gasps> Oh, my God. We have gotten a wide range of recommendations. And uh, disclaimer, as always, you don't have to assume he will read it. Uh, Someone (laughs) may read it to him. Could be a picture book, even an audio book. So let loose. Oh, my God. So the first, like, one of my all-time favorite books is The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison. Ooh, and that was, one. like, admitted, that was right where my head went. And then I was like, he's never going to read that. Yeah, and then know. I went to Goodnight Moon. <laughs> oh. oh, so good. Excellent book. So good. Right? We'll take them because, both. Yeah, why? Let's go with both of them. I mean, okay. because... You know, you've got the race issue and then you've also got, you know, sure. we're all people just wanting to go to bed safe and sound and happy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so if he could remember that, that would hey, be great. I, I know you have about 90 <laughs> seconds left. Uh, last real question. Uh, how would you like to use this podcast to speak a little truth to power? Uh, last thing you want to say? I would say that we need more people like you guys that are... Well doing these things. I mean, this has been, (laughs) (laughs) this is great. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this, uh, to talk about the things that are super important to me and, and, you know, so many of the people that work at Ocean Conservancy. And so thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you sign up, go to oceanconservancy.org. We've got all sorts of ideas and ways that you can engage um, and become an ocean lover like all of us here. Awesome. Uh, I guess that goes with our last question. Where can our listeners follow you on the internet? Oh, well, you can follow Ocean Conservancy. We're at Our Ocean on the Twitters, and we're mm-hmm. at Ocean Conservancy on Facebook and Instagram. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Perfect. Uh, Julia, this has been so fun once we finally got it going. Brian. <laughs> Another wow. dig. Yep. So thank you so much for your time uh, today and for all that you do and all your coworkers are doing, uh, keeping the ocean running. We are trying to, and thank you guys so much for listening. We are, um, we are so excited that we get to get our message out to new and interesting people and that you guys are so fun to talk to. So thank you. Uh, You can say what you need to say after you get (laughs) off the line. All right, Julia, have an awesome day. Thank you. Thank you so much. Talk to you guys soon. See you. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks to our incredible guest today, and thanks to all of you for tuning in. We hope this episode has made your commute or awesome workout or dishwashing or fucking dog walking late at night that much more pleasant. As a reminder, please subscribe to our free email newsletter at importantnotimportant.com. It is all the news most vital to our survival as a species. And you can follow us all over the internet. You can find us on Twitter at importantnotimp. Just so weird. Also on Facebook and Instagram at Important Not Important, Pinterest and Tumblr, the same thing. So check us out, follow us, share us, like us, you know the deal. And please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to things like this. And if you're really fucking awesome, rate us on Apple Podcasts. Keep the lights on. Thanks. Please. (laughs) And you can find the show notes from today right in your little podcast player and at our website, importantnotimportant.com. Thanks to the very awesome Tim Blaine for our jamming music, to all of you for listening, and finally... Most importantly, to our moms for making us. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. 